Hey everybody, welcome to the SF Music Tech startup demos. We're gonna see some really cool stuff about the future of music creation, music listening, and music awesomeness. And before I bore you with too many words, I want you guys to meet an incredible group called the Leap Orchestra. They're the winners of the SF Music Tech Hack Day, the Music Hack Day that was over the weekend, and they have created something really stunning. This is one of the coolest instruments I've seen. They were playing with it before the session started, and it blew my mind, so check it out, guys. All right, thanks. Hi, everybody. My name is Seth Tui. I'm a composer and audio engineer. This is Tyler Freeman, over there, programmer and VJ. Bamsi, audio engineer from Dolby Laboratories. And Dean Hudson, game and music engineer. And we are here to show you Leap Orchestra, a project we created in just 24 hours. We'd never met each other before, and we all came together over San Francisco Music Hack Day 2013, just one weekend. Our project features the new Leap Motion device. It's right here. Leap Motion device tracks individual finger axes on X, Y, and Z. And although we're very excited about this technology, we're not associated with the Leap company. They actually just showed up to our hackathon when we tweeted at them, and they gave us these to use in our project. So for our Music Hack Day project, we decided to see how we could make the Leap Motion device as useful as possible for electronic musicians. I mapped each finger axis to individual control on Reason software synthesizers in order to control filter sweeps, pitch bends, modulation changes in real time. Tyler created OSC integration to uh, translate the Leap messages into usable MIDI. He also created a super collider instrument that plays harp strings when he puts his fingers through the right coordinates in the air. There you go. Vamsi created one of the visualizations which reacts to our, like the, the inputs here, wave it over, there we go. That's, that's the kind of thing, like it reacts to the sound. And Dean created the other visualization which reacts to the fingers. Like you see that ball of light as the palm and all those individual fingers, all those the little balls of light are finger movement, so you can actually see what we are inputting into the computer. We really thought the Leap controller has potential for music because it has such precise tracking and such a fast, only five milliseconds delay between input and output. And so I wrote this piece that showcases how musicians and programmers can come together to use the Leap for interesting performance elements in electronic music in real time. This is Leap Orchestra. guys could you tell me a little bit about like what's the potential for commercializing this product like could artists get this into their hands anytime soon like we said we're not with leap so that's a question that you really have to ask them we're just musicians and hackers that like to put together cool stuff we really don't know they did tell me they are actually coming out with a uh, leap store so they're gonna have developers like make apps and then you can you know get apps for your leap device you know anywhere from controlling your computer like a mouse or like, you know, virtual typing or making instruments, controlling visuals, controlling your TV or whatever. So, uh, infinite possibilities, really. Awesome. Does anyone in the crowd have any questions about how awesome this is? <laughs> <laughs> they are a little... It's literally this big. <laughs> yeah. They're not, they're not out yet. These are like develop, developer previews, but they should be around 70 bucks. I would suggest uh, going to the Music Hack Day website 
There are a lot of other hacks that use the leap that didn't, weren't able to present today, but if you go to the website, you'll get to see other stuff that people have done with it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, indeed. We, I think actually, so the, oh, he was using it with reason, so. Uh, we, built, we built a generic OSC bridge, so anything that understands OSC can take the messages and you can do pretty much whatever you want to. So you can assign it to like, knobs in Ableton if you want to. With, yeah, and in Macs also, Macs for live as well. The sky's the limit, really. Thank you. Could you just talk a little bit, like, what do you think is sort of the future in the kind of devices that DJs and music producers are going to be carrying with them? Like, right now, I'm seeing lots of, you know, lots of MacBook Airs and, you know, starting to see more iPad-type devices. But, you know, are there other things that you guys have seen that maybe inspired this that, uh, or any artists that you think are doing really innovative things with music technology in terms of music creation on stage? Well, I know a lot of DJs and VJs and artists are using a lot more, like, uh, touch screens and iPads and you know Bjork is using the uh, react table which is like a huge touch screen table where you can like move objects around to change the synthesizers so I think there's a an element of like a lot more performance based kind of like showy kind of you know making new instruments that weren't possible before physically so Sounds like a great thing for the music listener and the show attender because right now a lot of dance music and electronic music is a lot of like staring at someone typing behind a screen or you know just it's it's not, it's not it's very subtle it's not very showy but this is obviously with the way you guys are maniacally swinging your hands about like it could be a lot more fun to watch thanks to a little bit of technology yeah and that was that was our focus because like you go to a dubstep show or something and it's normally somebody playing a file on a laptop. This is actually, we're creating the sounds in, in real time, and I think that electronic music needs that element brought back to it because it's fun to watch. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for demoing this and hoping that you guys get this out in the Leap store or some way get us into our hands. Cool, so now we got our next presenters coming up. That's me, actually. So Here we have our actually, next presenter already on stage. Yeah, my name's Tyler Freeman. I actually did two hacks this weekend. One was Leap Motion Hack, and then another one was I'm also a VJ, so I do like visual projections at concerts. I always wanted a way for the audience to kind of participate more than just like dancing or whatever. So I made this VJ app where the audience can use their smartphones to control the visuals on the big screen. And it's called LSD, and <laughs> I like it should be. So I'm going to show you a little demo. If I could type, hold on. It looks a lot like the Chrome startup page right now. Is that? Yeah, that's... If you can't read that, it says you are now on LSD. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is LSD. The, basically, you log in. This will be, you know, you can uh, choose different, like, video clips over here. So I can start playing stuff right away. And anyone with a phone can just go to this website and start like adding their own clips and mixing them. And everyone kind of sees the same thing on their phone and on the big screen. And it's all, they're all interacting in real time. And then so what I did at the hackathon uh, this time was added support for your camera. So you can actually use the phone or your phone's camera to send live video streams to the screen at the concert you're at. So people at the, the audience in, at the concert can like show off what they're doing, like who's dancing and stuff. Let me just throw this up here. This should, oh, I need to click. It's a pretty cool idea to really be able to get the, the audience involved because I feel like a lot of visuals, it's like, oh, you brought a bunch of pre-made clips and you're just sort of <laughs> playing them for us, but. Yeah, exactly, so. I think you're having a bad trip. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it doesn't seem to be working. Sorry about that. Well, that's why it's a hack. So, you know, <laughs> if you had built a whole business on this, I would probably ream you on it. But I think for doing this over a weekend, still pretty cool. Anybody in the crowd have questions about LSD? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm qualified to No. <laughs> this is very serious at SF Music Hack Day. All right, great. Well, thank you very much for showing us this. It's pretty cool. And I hope you guys get it refined. Thanks. Thank you. 
while the next demo gets set up, I'm going to just talk a little bit about Music Hack Day. So I'm Paul Muir. I work at the Equinest, and I've been one of the organizers for the Music Hack Days. So the Music Hack Days have been going now since about 2009. The first one was started by Dave Haynes of SoundCloud. Since then, there have been about 30 Music Hack Days all around the world. And at a Music Hack Day, it's really a weekend where people are really, really passionate about music and really passionate about technology get together to build stuff. So they're, they're getting together usually on a weekend, and, and um, so basically people are doing this out of uh, the love of the technology and the music to, to build really cool things. So the hacks that you're seeing here were built over the, the last weekend at TalkBox during the, the music hack, hack day there, and we had about 200, 250 hackers there for the weekend, and about 60, 70 different hacks were built. And these are some of the more interesting of, of the three that were built. But I strongly suggest if you're interested in this sort of thing to see what ki kind of things that really creative people can do, go to musichackday.org to see uh, the list of all the hacks that, that were built there. So yes, it turns out that music technology can actually have old school instruments, apparently. What do you got there? Yeah, today I brought my, uh, my soprano. What I've built is a, a little utility that'll take musical intervals and turn them into key presses on your keyboard. So finally, you can stop pressing all those keys and just use your violin or your slide whistle or your saxophone to type on your computer. <laughs> just your life is going to be so much easier now. That works with intervals, so it's not like C sharp is D and F sharp is Q, but these are scalar intervals. So let's see if it works. So you can see this will do wonders for your productivity, and you'll get even better at playing the saxophone. So it's true the, the internet is ruining our ability to like type and, and write real words, because you could spell the lol with no problem, but hel hello. Well, yeah, I, I get the important stuff right. So my name's Charlie Deck. I'm an independent app guy, and that's what I did last weekend. <laughs> but, but wait, but wait, but why? <laughs> Actually, this is something I've wanted to do since college. Uh, I was trying to find new ways to push my playing to the next level, and I was developing all this fluency. I mean, the thing is, jazz is kind of a struggling genre at the moment, and I'm like shed, spending hours in the shed with my, with my horn for what? I don't know. <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe I could use it for my computer. And years later, it finally came to fruition. So now you're saying that we can put, if we took a thousand monkeys and gave them a thousand flutes, they might, <laughs> they could write Shakespeare? <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> Or maybe awesome. not even flutes. We could just record them. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Anyone from the crowd have any questions about this thing? <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, it works with other instruments. It works with your voice. It works with my ocarina. Yeah, it's just uh, using pitch, relative pitch. So. Oh, not yet. I, I've thrown up. I, I might put it up on my little labs page, which is, which is uh, bigblueboo.com. But it's pretty rough right now and temperamental, as you saw from Heco. Well, because you need maybe 30 or 32 characters, like A, B, C, D, comma, space, period. And that would mean more than two octaves of notes. So the result would be like... Just for like a word, you know? When this, this these are scalar intervals, so you, you have some control over the tonality, the modality. It doesn't matter where you start the melody. And every word has its own, you know, little shape to it. So it can actually be kind of an expressive, you know, thing. I love your hack, thanks. I was just wondering if you had put any recorded music through it and see if there's, put some famous tracks through it and see if there were hidden messages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, we can try playing a, uh, a more familiar song that's still copyrighted, but. <laughs> Let's see. 
Textaro. Ah, the secret message is revealed. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you very much. It was very cool, Charles. I'm sure somebody out there, if you just put this on the internet, will just feed everything in Spotify into this, and we will, we will learn the true secrets of the universe. So just a reminder that we need all questions asked in the mic, and speakers should be talking in the mic because we are live streaming and recording everything. Thank you. Notice I didn't ask how he was going to commercialize that last one. <laughs> well, as you can tell, we're probably going to have a little bit of like AV switch time throughout this. So maybe during the, the little breaks between the presentations, if anyone just wants to like raise their hand and talk about something really cool in music technology that they've seen lately, we can sort of keep this more of a discussion than like uh, me talking at you, which you don't want. Hi, I'm Scott. This is Josh. We're with Copper. And uh, we're going to show you a product today and maybe say some shit like hippies. So I have these keys, and uh, they've been growing for the, like the last 14 months. Um, because I basically had to stay at a bunch of friends' house where I built the web app I'm going to show you. And uh, all these friends are artists, uh, curators, uh, graphic designers, some former bandmates. And uh, each one of them sort of put me up while I went through this process. I think there's like, this willingness within the arts community to support each other, even though what we're building may, may not always end up being having a clear path. If you play music or if you build anything from the ground up, you know that you can't do anything without your community. So I was thinking about support uh, on the internet a few years ago, and I think the internet does a pretty good, good job about uh, getting the word out about the music that you have and getting your name out in the world. I think it's going to solve that problem pretty good. But uh, we haven't done a good job of figuring out how to pay artists. So I decided to make this product called Copper, which makes it super easy for artists and other folks who make creative content online to get support from their fans. Copper allows you to support any and everything online with a single click. And by support, I mean pay. So here's how Copper works for fans. Sign up with your Facebook, and you install a button in your browser. Ta-da! You're good to go. So then you go about your normal interweaves business, but whenever you have this sort of warm and fuzzy feeling, you can take it to the next level and tip any page on the web. We do the hard work of finding and paying the authors. You notice here, you can tip the button a second time, change the tip amount. So all your tips end up on your profile page. Ta-da! And this sort of serves as like a roving, as a, as a list of all the stuff that you find online that you like. What's sort of unique about Copper is 100% of the tip goes to the content creator. Um, we see ourselves as representing the fan, so we charge them a 10% fee. Um, and, and the thing I really love about it is it's, it's a genuine and bullshit way for content creators to connect with their fans and get support. You know, the, what I like about it is the fan is communicating you what they, how much they value your content. And that's sort of a powerful thing. It's, it's like a different kind of decision making, right? And it matters. Posting links have become hollow. You know, you put your Facebook likes up, people don't really, it has no effect. And your fans know that. So you can't really buy a burrito with your Facebook likes, but you can with copper. So there's two ends of this, right? So after a fan has been tipped, we, go out and we actually actively contact the, con the content creator. We send them a message that says something like, somebody tipped you, and you love what you've done. And we get, begin the process of, of paying them. So once they're signed up, uh, they have this profile page where they can see what pages they have that's been tipped, how much we owe them, how much we've paid them, standard stuff. Um, you can also add a badge so that if you want to put the, uh, a copper logo next to your content so people can pay you. Um, so that's pretty much this, the quick and dirty. Um, there is this view if when, they, when your fans click the tab, that's what they'll see originally before they sign up. So it's like a little, hey, be a nice person. Um, so this is what I do for a living. I find and pay authors. And I think I'm trying to make it easy for them and their fans to connect and uh, keep creators creating their work. Uh, so right now it's sort of in the early days. We're like two weeks old. And we're kind of counting on creators to help us get the word out. Uh, the idea is that creators with established fan base will be in the initial copper evangelizers. Uh, and once a fan is up and running, they can tip other artists. So your badge actually helps other artists in your community. And what we want to do here is create a virtuous cycle. 
So that's it. So what I'm asking for is, yeah, please help us hate you and everyone else creating content online. Awesome. I love this idea. So I remember I read some Rolling Stone article when I was like 14, and it was like, hey, if you're stealing artists' albums on Napster, just send them an envelope full of money. Because if you paid for their albums, they'd probably see a lot less money than if you just sent them five bucks. And I think that, that that's just become more and more true, that the artists aren't seeing a ton of money for their music creation, but they're still delighting people and really giving people this wonderful experience and maybe aren't being totally compensated for it. One space, especially I'm seeing this, is, is like in live music. A lot of times you go and you see a band play live and maybe you didn't even pay to get in the door or you think they, pay, they played even better than you paid for. Uh, do you guys have a mobile app? Or yeah, like, that's sort of a location-based mobile app where you can, hey, I'm at the show, tip the band that's playing. In yeah. the works. In the works. Okay, cool. I've, I've heard of another company that had tried doing this and they raised like $200 at like a little tiny concert for the band who was playing. And afterwards, the band was just like, oh my God, we're getting money. It was, they were stunned. And, yeah. And <laughs> it's really about like having these moments of goodwill and having a tool that's just ready for you to kind of connect with them. So that's what we're aiming for. One click, any place on the web, anywhere you use it. And so do you have to like track down these artists and get them to claim the, the money then? <laughs> yeah. Is that, do you find that there's like a ton of money sitting around waiting to be claimed? No, no. What's neat is our, so our, our machines, our robots, uh, right now they can, they're just starting like 75% of the time already to identify who the content creator is and how to pay them. So our, our, we're actually pretty happy with how quickly we're able to discover who the author is. Right, you know, we're doing it. We, we basically look for Twitter links and Facebook, anything that we can authorize them against our service. Mm -hmm. And if we find one that is, the, that is on that page, follow me on Twitter or Facebook. You know, follow me on page. That's it. That's all we need to authorize and get somebody to money. Very cool. Any questions from the crowd? And wait for your microphone. Is, is there any way to attach it, say, to a YouTube video? Yes. Oh, where did wow. that go? So that means this could go a lot farther than just music, but no, like yeah, any so content creator. My whole motivation, when I was in a band and I decided not to go anywhere with it, because who wants to fucking be on, on a label and deal with any of that bullshit, is, so that's why I'm talking about music right now, right? <laughs> but fundamentally, it's any URL on the web. We think like bloggers will do really well with this, web comics. But will the money go to YouTube or to me? To the person who uploaded the video. Oh. Which lets me skirting all kinds of issues. <laughs> Thanks. Um, this is really interesting. I noticed you had Facebook Connect implemented. Are there any thoughts of actually doing an app directly on Facebook pages? No, not currently. We, we, we want to go with basically a button in your browser so that it's everywhere. Yep. That makes more sense. And, like, people could embed the badge in their page. It's fairly simple to do. Got it. I was thinking like, more for the, for the, the artists themselves. So on, yeah. you know, on my yeah. Facebook page, yeah. I can put something on there. So what's neat about our, the way our, our, since it's neat, since we have our kind of way we make money already planned out, we don't have to do any weird marketing stuff. So the badge that we have it doesn't really know who it's on. So it can go on in Facebook. Or it's pretty universal. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, one more question. So I, I was just wondering, is there any incentive that your website provides for people to tip big? For example, like I went to this live concert and I really enjoy it. I got it for free. I felt like, okay, I can tip a dollar, five dollar, ten dollar. But is there any incentive, say my best friend's birthday is coming up and he's a huge fan of Trent Reznor. And can I tip him, Trent, like $150 to get something like a, like a response or, you know, email something or like any incentive that provides um, through your copper website for fans that are dedicated for something personalized? Yeah, we sort of keep the tips anonymous from the artist. Okay. So it, we think that there's, one of the things that labels do well is they sort of, there's this line between the person who's performing and the person who's collecting the money. And that gets a little weird when, the, when that line gets blurred. So we wanted to sort of initially internally keep all the tips kind of private. So there, there'd be no way for the artist to like get in like a Kickstarter angle on this. If you guys have more questions, you can chase these dudes down afterwards. Uh, so yeah, let's see the next hack. Thank you very much though. This looks really cool. So anyone out there see something cool in music recently? Uh, hello. I was at the Music Hack Day last weekend. I had a chance to talk with some of the guys from Google about some uh, upcoming features in Chrome. They're going to have the, uh, the ability to record with your microphone in HTML, JavaScript. And that feature is going to come out in two months for any web developers out there. Uh, so you won't have to record over Flash anymore. You can start recording directly in your, in your browser. 
start playing with that API. All right, so maybe you can start telling us a little bit about what you've got in terms of music technology. Absolutely. Hello, everybody. So, focus at will. In the next five minutes, I'm going to talk about sex, drugs, rock and roll, danger, food, shiny red things, your brain, and instrumental music. Okay? Ready? Go. Hold your breath. A little about me. I was a songwriter, musician, and producer, and the white guy in this band. It's a big hit record a few years ago. BMI PRS Writer of the Year in 92. I'm also a technology inventor. Anyone use Pro Tools here? Yeah, a few hands going up. I also created DigiDelivery, which is the pro audio delivery system used mostly in film post. Anyway, let's have a look at your brain next. Keep your eyes on the screen over there. Yeah, long as my bitches love me. My bitches love me. My bitches love me. Yeah. I can give a fuck by no hate as long as my bitch love me. My bitch love me. My bitch love me. It's a beautiful day. Sky falls, you feel that it's a beautiful day. I <laughs> Sex, food, and danger. Well, what's just happened to everybody in here? Your limbic system kicked in. So this is your limbic system. It's the part of the brain that's in interrupt mode all the time. It's fight or flight, and it's survival and evolution. And your limbic system is looking for stimuli and figuring out whether you need to kill it, eat it, or mate with it. That's true for everybody. The Queen of England, same damn thing. And your limbic system is distracting you when you're trying to do stuff. All the fun stuff happens in your limbic system. It's your emotional center. Except when you should be working. And your limbic system is like a monkey in the back seat wanting to know if we're there yet. So focus at will. In a world of ever-increasing distractions, how can you be productive on demand when you're doing anything? Well. We have a universal solution that uses a universal language of music to solve a universal problem. So I'm going to do a little live demo of what this thing is here. Focusatwill.com, we're in beta at the moment. It's a familiar interface for anybody who's ever used a music application. So what happens is you go to the site, and then you'll choose a genre of music that you like to listen to. And what happens is that most people, when they're working, when they're studying, they're writing, they're coding, you can concentrate for about 20 minutes when you're engaged in something. And we have found, by playing very specific sequences of music in a very specific order, that we can extend the concentration time up to about 100 minutes. I'll try another genre here. So the secret source of, of the way this system works, this is all based on hard science, um, is that human beings are exquisitively sensitive to the sequence of different pieces of music. A great example, you go and see a show, a live show, and the band do the wrong song, lose the crowd, right? Everybody's, everybody's seen that. Well, it turns out that we're incredibly sensitive, and our limbic system is really sensitive to this. So what we do is we have a thing which is called, it's a, a server application, which is the Focus Genome Algorithm. And what we do is we have a vast library of new instrumental music. Instrumental because if there's a single vocal in any of the music that is played, it's distracting. In fact, the three pieces of music that were played just now are the complete polar opposite of the kind of music that you'll need to listen to to help you focus and concentrate. So, there's a couple of counterintuitive things about this. Um, this is a timer, uh, and uh, it's a way of uh, helping you figure out exactly uh, how long you've been concentrating for. Um, when you hear a piece of music on our system that you notice, 
personality. Now, what about you notice? Actually, what it is, it's that your subconscious notices. What you do is you teach the system by skipping it like this. So what you want to be able to do is set it and forget it. The idea is that you, like this piece of music for me is just too distracting. So the system's not going to play me that again. Um, it's a free service um, with a premium subscription. It's going to be out um, later on this year. As I said, it's in beta right now. The counterintuitive thing is that when you are listening, setting yourself up this while you're setting to work, is don't choose a genre of music that you usually listen to. It's kind of strange, right? So if you like jazz, don't listen to jazz. The reason why is that when you're listening to jazz, it's going to be triggering dopamine in your brain, which is actually going to be distracting to you. So the most popular genre on our system is classical. Of course, a lot of people don't like classical, but it works very well for just helping. And what it's doing is, as I said, there's a monkey in the back seat while you're trying to work. And this is very gently and very specifically keeping that monkey quiet. It's like feeding it a, a peanut. So it's music technology for focus and retention. And it's based on this exclusive new instrumental music library that we've got. And really what we are, uh, are offering is a um, productivity on demand. That's basically where we're at. So it turns out that two people out of three listen to music already when you're working, you're writing, studying, or reading. But 99% of the commercially available music is actually distracting. But if you think about it, it's pretty obvious because music, well, you know, I made my living as a musician before, and anybody here who doesn't, you want your music to be engaging. You want it to grab the attention. You want it to make, make you feel. Those are all things which are going to distract you if you put that music on while you're actually trying to work. So we have created this unique new music library, which is artistically and scientifically created. It's delivered in very specific sequences. And this is a safe and unique method, unlike alternatives such as prescription drugs, et cetera. That's how we talk about drugs. And uh, it doesn't use any additional hardware. And it's, and it's what you're doing already. So if you, like, if you are the two people out of three, you like to listen to music while you're working, this is a really good uh, system. Um, we're based on hard science, Dr. Evian Gordon from Brain Resources on our team, as is Stephen Sidoroff, a UCLA psychology professor. And that's it. Thank you. Thank you. So focus at will. It's Pandora on Adderall. How, how are you going to get people away from the music sources that they're currently listening to? Like, you know, I'm... I'm pretty regular user of things like Spotify and Slacker. Like, why am I going to go to this? And like, what's your plan for getting this out into the world? Well, it turns out that there are three different kinds of music. There's entertainment music, which is what you're talking about, right? This is music you listen to for fun because you like it. There's production music, which is music for uh, ads. You know, there's, a, there's a whole industry in LA of music for films and for ads. It turns out there's a third kind of music which, which we are actually creating, which is productivity music. And if you try and use music that's designed for entertainment or music that's designed for production to, to support you while you're focusing, it just doesn't work. So a lot of people are doing that, and you know, it's working to some degree. Yes. But like, how are you going to convince them that it's not working well enough? Like, I think that that's often really tough when the solution is kind of incrementally better, when it's like, sure. OK, you know, I listen to some house music when I work, and that helps me better than rap music. But like, how, am I, how are you going to go the next step and, and teach me that I, about my brain? <laughs> <laughs> well, the simple answer is try it. We've done, we've done quite a bit of press recently. And every time we've had a press piece, we're in Engadget recently. We, we, we're in the Mark's in, in the, in the uh, a whole bunch of other things in the last week. And um, what happens is that people start using the system and tell their friends it's incredibly viral. We, we doubled in size uh, last week again in users. And the extraordinary thing is that people that use our system, 55% of the users of our system are regular users. Nice. And so it really is a question of suck it and see, you know. Cool. Awesome. Great. Well, we'll get the next person up here setting up, and maybe you can, from the crowd, take a question from the audience. You got it. Thank you very much. Cool. Thank you very much. Focus at will. I've seen some cool stuff that's sort of like meditation on demand, where it's like, it's, it's almost like that, but you sit down, and it's like, this is going to be five minutes of meditation, and then it's just like really soothing voice and soothing sounds, and they sort of walk you through what you might get in like a, you know, in a monastery somewhere, and I thought that was actually really cool. 
but this would be even better with like real music opposed to just like rainforest sounds. Anybody for, from the crowd have a question for Focus at Will? This guy back there. I'm curious if there's any feedback from artists about their music being nominated for things that people insist on not listening to. <laughs> we are the opposite of Pandora, where you want to thumbs up things and you like things. If you notice things, the idea is to not, to, to skip on it. In fact, one of our artists who's, uh, who, who we've uh, commissioned some beautiful new work from sitting right here, Josh Gabriel, the, the, the well-known DJ and composer, and we've found that electronic dance music has a very specific kind of, it grows and it stops, the bass pulls out. This is how, bass, this is how dance music works. But we found that the electronic music for this genre has a different set of criteria. The dynamics are different. So it, it's actually a different mix. And uh, many of the tracks that we have in our system have been edited or remixed. And everything has been remastered specifically so that the sound fits a certain shape. Great. Thank you very much. And let's see what you guys got. Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, my name's Matt, this is Dave, and we work for BitTorrent. We want to show you a new product today called Surf. And just before we get into that, I, I want to show you why we talk a bit about why we created Surf. So I'm sure a lot of you know and love BitTorrent. We have 170 million users, and lots of people have done lots of different studies on these users. And we've seen lots of claims that these are people that will spend lots of money on content, and they're not all pirates, and they're really engaged fans. And Lots of academic studies and even studies from the IFPI claiming that to be true. And, and we wanted to test that. So over the last two years, we've been doing experiments with different content and different artists and, and really trying to understand, well, how do people interact with content in the BitTorrent ecosystem when artists put it there themselves? How do, they, how do they engage with it? And what can we build next to help artists? So I just wanted to give you a quick snapshot of some of the stuff we did over the last year. So this is kind of an average of what we did in 2012. We delivered 152 million different bundles of content. Uh, 126 million of those were, were pieces of music. And if you look at these conversion rates here in terms of people interacting with a piece of content, whether it was a, a piece of music, a film, a book, and then going to an artist's website or a store or email, email subscription or, or actually paying an artist directly in some way, we see crazy conversion rates. To give you some context, a, a banner ad converts at about 0.1%. So we saw lots of really interesting stuff happen, and there's lots of case studies on our website about what we're doing and what we're trying to do. But I just want to summarize briefly and tell you why we created Surf. So the three most important things that we learned in the last year from everything we did with content and working with different kinds of artists was BitTorrent users are definitely fans who spend money. We, we absolutely proved that. We got, artists, um, we got artists hundreds of thousands of email signups. We got established and no-names acts, tens of millions of downloads. We put an author on the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today bestseller list when his book had been banned by Barnes & Noble. We got people out of their seats, into their cars, and actually going to movie theaters and buying tickets to see films. Uh, and we did direct artists, uh, direct artist fan stuff with uh, Topspin and Stacey Peralta. All kinds of interesting stuff, but we, we absolutely believe now this to be true. BitTorrent users are fans, they will spend money. Our job as a company now, one of our jobs, is to get artists in front of them. People want to see more good content in BitTorrent. We've got a really fickle, complacent user base. They're always telling us about how much they don't like ads, or they don't like this, or they don't like that. When we ask them how they feel about seeing content from artists in BitTorrent, they like it. They feel like the band's showing up at the place where they're, where they're at, and they, they feel really good about it, and they're much more likely to reward people as a result. And the one thing that we really saw was that artists can create really strong connections directly with fans through BitTorrent, whether they're trying to monetize here directly or build awareness or build a fan base, all of it's possible. The question is, what are we going to do about that? Well, there's three things we're working on in the next year. One is, is making good content more discoverable, actually being able to scale what we did and, and show, show our user base more than one or two pieces of content at a time it is the first thing we're working on. Creating new ways for artists to just publish into BitTorrent themselves is the, the second thing. And third, figuring out new ways for people to monetize directly in, inside the BitTorrent ecosystem, because if transactions can happen there, we see them happen at, at really staggering rates. So I want to focus on the first thing today. I'm going to hand over to Dave Hilborn, who's the product manager of a new thing called BitTorrent Surf. And this is really designed to make good content more discoverable in BitTorrent. All right, uh, I'm David Hilborn. I'm the product manager for BitTorrent Surf, and I'm going to walk you through uh, exactly what we're doing. Um, 
In the uh, BitTorrent client itself, uh, there is no real uh, search available, so we brought the BitTorrent client into the browser um, where users can search for what they like. And if the users happen to um, be searching for something that we're offering, uh, in this case, uh, Death Grips, we highlight that featured content um, on the top line. Um, this drives users uh, more accurately to uh, the landing pages where they can um, gather uh, user feedback, um, emails, direct purchases, whatever the user want, or whatever the artists want to configure um, with their content bundles. Um, we have one other way that we uh, kind of did on our own hack day and decided to build a recommendation engine that based on the content that you search for within Surf, we will recommend our own content, uh, in this case, Pretty Lights. Um, we are doing direct genre comparisons where um, the genres that are uh, sought after in the search engine, um, any match that's returned, so I can uh, see all of the content that we have under either electronic music or trip hop, um, and we can list all two of our featured content. Uh, again, we are uh, just starting out right now with um, our BitTorrent bundles, so we only have a few pieces of content available. Um, but as this scales to more, uh, more artists, we will be able to uh, throw them in our recommendation engine and deliver as much as possible. So, I mean, this is, this is kind of a world exclusive for us. Search is never something that BitTorrent's really done. It's, it's not something that's really been part of our remit as a technology company. But once we saw that we could actually affect, affect real change for artists within the BitTorrent ecosystem, we, we decided that this is something we would commit to do, and this is a world exclusive. There will be recommendation happening in BitTorrent, pointing BitTorrent users to legal licensed content that directly adds value to the artists who published it there. This is really the first step in kind of a thousand mile journey for us in creating tools so people can directly publish here. But the first thing we wanted to do is, is start really funneling people towards the good stuff that we, we know is licensed and legal and will help us and help you guys work with us to create a, a sustainable future for content for everybody. Thank you very much. Make sure to go check out BitTorrent Surf. Some, some really cool stuff going on with that. I mean, I think that there's a huge issue right now in terms of music and all types of content and piracy. And really the only way that you can fight piracy is with convenience. And I think that these guys are really making it simpler to access the content that you want, but not just get it for yourself, but to give back and both to your fellow peers and to the people who created that content. And that's critical. And I think we've seen a lot of people in music and a lot of, a lot of companies trying to sort of obstruct access to content as a way to monetize it. And it's great to see a technology company really getting serious about simplicity and ease and access. Hey, I'm David from Ustream. I'll start with the most important thing. Come party with us at 7 o'clock tonight, 1300 Fillmore. We're celebrating our new open pay-per-view product, which allows you to set your ticket price for any event live streaming on the internet. And we've got a little clip here just to kick this off so you get a sense of how this works and how much money you can make with it. I'm Will Mitchell. I'm the producer of the Bridge School Benefit Concert webcast. The Bridge School was started by Neil and Peggy Young as a way to have a school and an education for highly disabled children. In 1986, Neil and Peggy put on a concert to try to raise some money so the school could have operating budget for every year, and it became a yearly thing. The concerts have been going on for 26 years now. 
because it's become a favorite event for musicians to do, every year we book a lot of well-known acts. In 2011, for our 25th anniversary concert, we did a free webcast. We thought the next step, why don't we try to raise money for our cause with this? So we looked around trying to find someone to do that. For that reason, we decided to go to pay-per-view. And this past year in 2012, we partnered with Ustream to do a worldwide pay-per-view webcast. Just through having a few simple conference calls, we were able to put all of our pieces into place and everything went according to plan. My association with Ustream has been probably about four or five years now. Our goals were to find a partner who could provide a stable platform. And most importantly, we needed to find somebody who could take care of our payments and make it as seamless and easy as possible. Yeah, that's one of the great things about Ustream is it's so easy to use. Create an account, log in. Before you know it, you're up and running. In our experience with doing pay-per-view with Ustream, we're able to reach an audience that we hadn't reached before because of the power that Ustream has. There's a producer I'm looking forward to be given another chance this year to show that I can make money for our event by using pay-per-view in a very stable and successful way. Okay, so the thing that is really cool about open pay-per-view on Ustream is you don't have to be Neil Young to use it. It's incredibly easy. You just go to Ustream. In case you're not familiar with Ustream, we're 60 million unique strong every month, the largest live platform for live video and VOD of live events on the internet. You can broadcast to any device, mobile, smart TVs, and of course the web from any camera. Start with your mobile device, use your webcam, go all the way up to your professional stuff, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how expert you are, you just get going. So we've got 15 million broadcasters today, 60 million uniques, and the thing that drives this community is social. We've got tons of activity going on on socials. We've got 5 million Facebook users on Ustream, over a billion impressions, 1.5 million Twitter followers. So that, that's how you get the word out about your event on Ustream. And if you're worried about getting really big, if you're worried about can we take the traffic, go with the platform that Sai used to broadcast his Gangnam Style concert, 1.6 million viewers one Direction just had a fan chat that was a, a huge success. And Open Pay-Per-View has actually been around for two years. We've been in beta for two years. And a lot of these acts on, on Pay-Per-View on Ustream are now generating over $100,000 uh, in revenue per event. King of the Dot uh, is one of them. He set his ticket price and boom, uh, the money started coming in. Insane Clown Posse, they've been very popular. Uh, it's not just music, it's any content uh, that you can, uh, you can put on pay-per-view on Ustream. So it's incredibly easy to get going with Ustream. It's literally free to get going. Uh, log in with Facebook, create your account, create a channel page, which is really like your home page on Ustream. But you don't have to use your channel page. You can use your own website. There was a question earlier about Facebook. You can broadcast pay-per-view events on Ustream on Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, you name it, we, we can broadcast it for you. So here you are, this is your channel page with your social stream on the left, totally linked into Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's talk about how easy it is to just get going with a pay-per-view event. You just click on your dashboard here once you're a broadcaster, signed up. You click on the events button, the events link, and you select pay-per-view. Now, if this is your first time uh, using the pay-per-view feature, you link it up to your PayPal account because that's how we pay you. That's how we take the money uh, from your fans, from the people at your event, and that's how we pay you uh, into your PayPal account. So you just link it up, log into PayPal, and you're ready to run. Then you set up your event. It's just a simple form. Name the event, give it a date and time, and here's the hard part. Here's the hardest part. Setting your price. And what we've learned from two years of beta and 4,500 events on pay-per-view is people consistently underprice their events. So don't do it. Make, make sure that you give yourself the value you need. And of course, you're going to ask for the splits. Uh, well, it grades up. So if you're using our free service, uh, it's a 50-50 split, which is a little bit heavy. But if you become a pro broadcaster and use us on a regular basis, uh, we reduce uh, that split in your favor, obviously.
So you've got your uh, pay-per-view event ready to go. You just click start. From your viewer's point of view, it's even easier. They just go to your channel page, or they go to your website, or they go to your Facebook page, and they buy a ticket. They click on the, the buy button. They put in their credit card information. That's all credited into your, uh, into your PayPal account once it's over. And then most importantly, from a marketing point of view, they start chatting with the social stream there on the right. And this is totally tied in to Twitter and Facebook. So literally, as people are chatting about your event at the event, they are marketing your event to all of their fans and followers. So it's a super powerful combination uh, of the live video and the social tie-in, not to mention you're making money along the way. Now, the really cool thing, this came up earlier in one of the other presentations, is it's not just live events, but it's also VOD. So you can actually charge per view on your VOD after the event. So check it out. And uh, we're downstairs if you have any questions. And we'll see you at the party tonight, 1300 Fillmore, Ustream Open Pay-Per-View. Thanks a lot. Awesome. I really like this idea because I think there's a lot of artists out there who are putting a lot of their music out on YouTube. They're doing a lot of video-based content, but they're not necessarily making a ton of money on it. And the funny thing is a lot of people assume that you have to have some massive audience to be able to earn money off of something like this. But it's incredible. If you have even a few thousand fans, you have a few dozen like serious, just hardcore, maniacal fans who love you. And they're going to be willing to pay a few bucks to watch you, even if it's just sitting in your studio recording or making music or just playing a few demos or just talking and uh, I've heard of some artists really being able to you know pay rent doing this like yeah they're not like they're not rolling in cash but if their goal is to be a musician and to be an artist if they can you know make a few thousand bucks doing one of these a week and then spend the rest of their time recording and touring and doing whatever else they want like that's sustaining the arts and that's what's I think that's what really the, the whole reason we're here is to find ways that technology can help support the arts so thanks a lot to you guys at Ustream.